Today we have a special crossover episode of Locked On Islanders as Jay Foster of Locked On Blue Jackets joined us. We will review both teams off-season plus look ahead with some bold predictions for the upcoming season for both the Blue Jackets and the Islanders. All that and more on today's Locked On Islanders podcast. Sartre tees it up, and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson, Barzell with the open net, and he scores! Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian. And I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. We are continuing our Metropolitan matchups today uh, with a trip to New York. We're going to talk about the Islanders. We've got uh, my very good friend and uh, colleague at Lockdown, Gil Martin, host of the Lockdown Islanders podcast. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some Islanders. We're going to talk a little bit about some Blue Jackets, and then we're going to finish off by having a little bit of fun with some predictions for how we think the season is going to go. So, Gil, let's just jump straight into it. How do you think the Islanders offseason has gone so far? You know, it's been disappointing in some ways and okay in others. Uh, Lou Lamorello basically emphasized keeping his own potential unrestricted free agents rather than going out and bringing in somebody new. So you end up with what I think was a terrific extension signed for Ilya Sorokin a year before he was ready to hit the open market. And then you have the re-signing of Pierre Engvall, Scott Mayfield, and Semyon Varlamov to long-term deals uh, to prevent them from going anywhere. Essentially, the Islanders are bringing back the same roster that barely made the playoffs a year ago and hoping that the results will be even better this year. Uh, do you think Islanders fans are still happy with the work that Lou Lamorello is doing as general manager? He's been there for a couple of seasons now. Like, Is the plan still still working, do you think? I think there's a lot of concern because he has traded away four straight first round draft picks in a row. And if you look at any listing of uh, prospect pools and, you know, we just had, uh, you know, locked on NHL prospects do that for everyone. They ranked the Islanders dead last out of the 32 teams in the league. The hockey news ranked them 27th or 28th, uh, the Athletic was roughly the same. There are no highly regarded, you know, this guy's going to come in and be a top, even top six forward or top pair defenseman kind of players in the Islanders prospect pool. So the concern with the way Lou Lamorello is doing this is you have a lot of players on this roster, especially at forward, who are over 30. And if you look two or three years down the road, you don't see obvious players in the in the pipeline who can go out and replace those players. And 
I guess when you see that the team finished, what, seventh in the Eastern Conference last year, made the playoffs by one point over, uh, you know, Pittsburgh and Florida, you know, was what I think it was Florida was one point behind Pittsburgh, maybe two points behind. And those teams seem to have gotten better after the season while the Islanders just brought back the same group. That's where the concern is right now for Islander fans. Yeah, that kind of leads into my next question really nicely, actually. Um, the Islanders seem to have done a pretty good job of kind of competing and managing to stay relevant in a very tough metropolitan division. How do you think that they've maintained that success over the last four seasons? They've made playoffs in three of the last four. Is that due to just kind of, I don't want to say kicking the can down the road, because I don't necessarily think that's what's going on, but obviously trading away your your first round picks is a part of that. Do you think they've, like, what What do you think the, the main success is here? I think the main success goes back to goaltending. And I think having Ilya Sorokin and, uh, you know, now Semyon Varlamov is clearly the backup, but initially he was the starter. But having two quality goaltenders and a system that is designed to first keep pucks out of the net and limit the quality chances of your opposition, playing that style, which is really contrary to the way most teams are doing things, in 2023, 2024. Uh, but, but that's what has worked for the Islanders. And they sort of play a playoff style system all year long. And therefore, when if, if they do make the playoffs, they're sort of comfortable playing that style already where other teams are sort of making more adjustments uh, to play playoff style hockey. But the key is the goaltending. The key is the team defense. You've got, you know, uh, uh, Adam Pellick and Ryan Pollock and uh, Sorokin and, and Alexander Romanoff and Noah Dobson. And it just sort of sets up uh, that they're trying to win a lot of games, three to two and two to one. And they've been able to do it enough to make the playoffs, as you said, three out of the last four years. So, yeah, you lost a couple of guys uh, in the offseason, some veterans like Josh Bailey and Zach Parise. Is there a player on the roster that you're kind of circling to take a step up to kind of maybe fill a leadership role? That got that you know is is open with with the departure of those older players. Yeah, I mean, I think Bo Horvat will take over the Josh Bailey kind of role as far as leadership goes, and as far as Parise goes, we don't know for sure yet if he's coming back or not. He has not announced his retirement. He did say uh, on Getaway Day, which was May first. I know I'm going back a ways now, but he did say it's either I'm coming back to the Islanders or I'm retiring. So. Lou Lamorello did prepare for life after Zach Parise. They signed Julian Gauthier, uh, who was a, a speedy skating bottom six kind of a forward, former first round pick of the Rangers. Uh, they signed Hudson Fashing, who filled in uh, when injuries hit last year and played very well in a bottom six role. So they, they're prepared for life without Zach Parise, but they're also willing to bring him back if he does indeed make that decision to return. Yeah, I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like Lou Lamorello hates to let things leak. And I feel like no one heard anything about the the original signing of Zach Parise until it was done, basically. So do you think there's a chance that, like, training camp's going to hit and he's just going to show up with a shiny new contract? It, it is possible he has already signed something. Now, the, the and, and the reason I even go a step further, you're right about Lou Lamorello liking to keep things quiet until he has to reveal them. And then the other factor is that right now the Islanders are a little less than $500,000 over the cap. 
So if they add Zach Parise, even if he signs another, you know, $775,000 a year contract, they go even higher over the cap and you're not allowed to be more than 10% over during the off season. So if they wait until training camp uh, and they make another move, if he does, you know, indeed come back, they've got that sort of under control. So yeah, it wouldn't shock me if Zach Parise comes back. I guess the longer it goes, the less likely, you know, you got to figure by September 10th or so, he's got to make some kind of a public decision, (laughs) but you know, I'm not writing it off either because I think you nailed it when you said, you know, Lou Lamarello likes to keep, keep things under wraps until he has to reveal them. Yeah. I feel like, I don't remember who it was exactly, but it may even have been Matt Barzal signing his contract. And it was like, getting closer and closer and he hadn't signed it and he hadn't signed it. And then there was one day people were like, it was just like, Oh yeah, Matt Basel signed. Right. And it was, it was very, it was very, a very, it's a very strange way to kind of do business, but I do kind of respect this. No, I'm not, it's no one's business except, except our own. Um, It's a, it's an interesting way to run an NHL team with, uh, which are, you know, full of insiders and people just loving to, to leak contracts basically as soon as, as soon as they're even being thought about. Um, I want to ask one last question. Do you think the Islanders make the playoffs this season? I think a lot of teams in the Metro got better. Do you think the Islanders, obviously you said they haven't done, they haven't done much. Have they done enough to kind of stay ahead of the curve? Do you think? Uh, It's a really tough question. And I I, I think it's going to come down to, does Ilya Sorokin stay healthy and continue to play at the very high level that he's been playing at? If he does, they should be in almost every game that he starts. And I I can't say for sure they'll make the playoffs, but I think they will be in the playoff picture right until the very end. And and again, I think they're either going to just make it or just miss it. But we're still going to have a lot of three, two and two to one games. And that's just the way that's Island is hockey, baby. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Let's take a quick break. uh, And when we get back, we'll flip the script and you can ask me a couple of questions about the blue jackets because they have done, they've done a couple of things this off season, you know, Uh, so we'll do that in just a second here on this crossover edition of locked on blue jackets and locked on New York Islanders. First, though, I've got to tell you guys about FanDuel because football season's about to kick off. FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long because right now when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. All you have to do is pick any team to win the Super Bowl and you're going to get bonus bets for every victory. You could pick the Bengals, the Browns, the Giants. I'm blanking on what the last New York team is, but it's fine. You can use those bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. You can even bet on things like Baseball, which is heading on into playoffs pretty soon. The NHL is going to be back real soon. You can bet on that. And uh, the NBA is going to be back soon as well. So lots to do. Uh, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sports book. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. So, Jay... Out of all the moves, I mean, the Blue Jackets were very busy in this offseason. Out of all the moves they made, which one do you think will have the biggest impact on the team this season? 
It's got to be. It's got to be drafting Adam Fantilli. I think um, there's a, there's a ton of moves that you can point to. Mike, hiring Mike Babcock is definitely going to have an effect on the team. Uh, picking up uh, uh, Ivan Provorov and Damon Severson uh, from other Metro teams is also probably going to have an effect. But to me, I'm looking at the fact that Adam Fantilli, who would have gone first overall in basically any draft in the last 10 years, except for McDavid and Matthews, and they somehow got him at third. And he's going to, he might not start the season there, but he's going to finish the season as that first line center between, probably between Johnny Gaudreau and uh, either Patrick Lyon or Karel Marchenko. He's what the Blue Jackets have maybe never had. And that is a true top line elite center and i think he's gonna make an impact on this team from day one i don't know if he pushes the team to be a playoff team but he immediately he immediately makes this team better than they were last season and i mean last season they were they were real bad but they were also really injured you know so yes. there's a ton of things that you can look at like getting zach Wierenski back from injury is also going to be huge i don't i see a lot of people talking about how the blue jackets have really only added a couple of pieces when you look at it they're kind of adding Zach Wierenski back. He missed all. He, he played 13 games last season and then was done for the season. Um, Jake Bean played 14. Patrick Laine was in and out of the lineup. Like the only player really that was fully healthy all season was Johnny Gaudreau. That's it. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot being added, but I think Adam Fantilli is definitely, he's going to be the guy to watch for this team. And how excited is the fan base about his arrival and, and, and what he's going to bring to the team? Oh, so excited. Like, it's, I don't, they had a watch party in, in Columbus for it. And they, uh, the reaction to the Ducks picking Leo Carlson and then the reaction to the Blue Jackets taking Adam Fantilli is just really, really fun. Um, I'm trying my best to kind of temper my expectations. You know, I, it's so easy to like go into this as he's the best player that the Blue Jackets have ever had. And he's going to win the Calder and he's going to win the Hart and he's going to score a million goals. And the Blue Jackets are going to win the Stanley Cup because of him. Like, it's so easy to kind of get caught up in that excitement. So I'm trying to, like, temper my expectations and keep a level head and, like, okay, he's going to be good, but he's not going to be Connor McDavid immediately or maybe ever. Um, but there's definitely – there's a lot of excitement in the fan base, I think, because we'd kind of accepted our – this sounds really dramatic. We'd accepted our fate as, like, having to draft – having to to draft Leo Carlson, who's going to be very, 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 very good for Anaheim. But I think a lot of people were disappointed that the Blue Jackets fell from second to third with the Blackhawks jumping up to first. And so to get the player that we'd kind of been coveting and that second overall spot at third, I think everyone is just like, it's like when you get what you wanted for Christmas, despite the fact that your parents have been saying they can't afford it all year. That's kind of the feeling that I think I think a lot of fans have with with Adam Fantilli. No, no doubt. And that that's a, a great surprise. Let's mm-hmm. let's put it that way. Uh, once draft day was underway, got to ask about the goaltending. Uh, it, it obviously has been an issue. Is Elvis healthy and can he return to the form he showed previously to help this team in between the pipes? God, I, ho- I hope so. I would love to say with any kind of more certainty, what kind of Elvis we're going to get this season. Um, but it's just, I mean, goalies are so hard to predict, you know, sometimes goalies just show up and have a Vesna candidate season, despite having shown no inclination for that before. Sometimes Vesna candidate goalies 
show up and they can't stop a beach ball. You know, it's they're, they're, goalies are, are mysterious and no one understands them. I would love... Elvis is not going to be the worst goalie in the league this year, uh, which was what he was... Last season, he was the worst goalie in the league, like statistically speaking. He's going to be better than that. I don't think the Blue Jackets need him to be Ilya Sorokin in the same way that the... Like, the Islanders need Ilya Sorokin to be a top three goalie in the league, I think, to stand a chance in this division. I don't think the Blue Jackets need that from from Elvis. If they can get... I've been saying on Lockdown Blue Jackets... If they can get league average goaltending from Elvis, which last season was a 904 save percentage, if they can get Elvis to have a 904 save percentage this season, in my mind, they're probably a playoff team. Also, they don't have the like the life raft of Jonas Corposalo anymore. He was a veteran goalie that the team could fall back on when Elvis struggled, as he has done, you know, multiple times over the past couple of seasons. His backup this season is going to be Daniil Tarasov who is very young and untested, but has tons of potential. I think they're going to be less willing to kind of put the weight of the season on Tarasov than they would be on Corpusalo. So there's a lot of pressure there for Elvis to be the guy because they don't really have a backup guy. They've got a backup, but they don't have a backup guy, you know? Yeah. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting. But yeah, if we can get league average... Out of Elvis, I will be just the happiest podcaster ever. <laughs> Talk to me about the defense. You mentioned Provorov and Severson. How much better can the defense be? Uh, I mean, you talked about getting league average goaltending. How about getting league average defense? It doesn't feel like a, a hugely hot take to say. I think the Blue Jackets will have better than league average defense this season. Like I mentioned, getting Zach Wierenski back is huge. Like you could, that was kind of the beginning of the end for this team was they were kind of floating about, keeping their heads above the water. And then Wierenski went down and it just kind of went, just nosedived. Um, so having him back is huge. Getting guys like Proberov and Severson to be second pairing defensemen is also Huge. I think they're going to take a lot of the pressure off Wierenski. I think they're both incredibly durable guys. Neither of them get hurt a lot. I'm going to just knock on wood about that. Um, so if they can stay healthy, like that's something the Blue Jackets haven't had for a couple of seasons is defensemen that can stay healthy. So that helps. Um, Eric Branson is going to be hanging around, but he's going to be on the third pairing, which means probably we will get a much better Eric Branson this season. Um, he, I believe, had the second most ice time of any defenseman on the Blue Jackets last season, and he was at one point their first their first pairing defenseman. He was their top defenseman after Vladislav Gavrikov um, was traded at the deadline. You know, so it's been it was a tough year for defense. It was mostly it was Eric uh, Branson and a bunch of teenagers for large parts of the season. And um, I think David Yurichek is going to show up at camp and be ready to go. So he slots in on that first pairing with Zach Wierenski in a perfect world. Um, and then, you know, if it doesn't, they've got a lot of pieces. The Blue Jackets have, in my estimation, between 10 and 12 NHL-ready defensemen right now. So it's going to make for some interesting choices in training camp. Uh, and honestly, I'm still not convinced that they're not going to move at least two defensemen before yeah. the season starts. And what would the need be that they would be looking to get in exchange if they do trade away two NHL caliber defensemen? I would think picks, uh, maybe uh, forward prospects. They're a little light on left wing at the minute, but they've got some good centers in the, in the lineup that, you know, their defense prospect pool is maybe the deepest 
in the NHL. I'm biased a little bit, but I still I stand by that. Um, goaltending, they're okay. I could see them maybe picking up uh, picks and maybe a veteran goalie if they could get you know like a Semyon Valamov type to play in that um, in that backup role, or even you know uh, I know they just signed Aaron Dell to a PTO for training camp if they can get him to kind of float around between columbus and the cleveland monsters their ahl affiliate he just provides kind of another layer of of stability so i'm looking for someone like that but yeah i would love i would love picks and uh nhl prospects that are probably going to be bubble nhl players but are not immediately nhl ready because there's kind of a log jam in NHL ready players for the Blue Jackets at the minute at both forward and goal ten- and, and defense, excuse me. There's going to be a lot of tough training camp decisions. So it's, uh, it's really tough to kind of predict the lineup at the minute because I'm looking at this and I'm like, well, they've got 16 forwards that can be, can be in the NHL. They've got 10 defensemen. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. Training camp's going to be really, really interesting. And I think training camp might be when you start seeing things kind of start to move in terms of defensemen. Because if David Juracek plays himself into a spot, then that leaves Adeboquist, Jake Bean, Andrew Peak, and Nick Blankenberg all competing for one spot. Yeah. And Blankenberg's the only one that's waivers eligible, and the other three are too good to play in the AHL. So what do you do with them? So it's going to be interesting. Last question for the segment. Uh, other than Adam Fantilli, who are some of the other young players that we should all be aware of that may make the Blue Jackets this year? Um, I mentioned uh, David Juracek. Yes. He's he's kind of the other big one. Um, a guy that people have probably heard a little bit about but are not super up on is uh, a player called Dmitry Voronkov. He uh, was drafted, I believe, in 2018 or 2019. He's been over in the KHL. He's coming over kind of like Karel Marchenko did last season. Um, he is going to be a big, mean forward that is... He he kind of has that Ovechkin-style play of um, he can score, he can pass, he can hit, he can skate. Uh, he's going to be a great depth guy for this team that will probably turn into a, an upper upper depth guy um in terms of other guys that could make the roster um i'm not i'm blanking on like roster locks those are those are the guys that i think will probably be making their blue jackets debut there's a couple of other guys that are going to be making their monsters debut that could get called up but those are the those are the three guys i think at the minute that that other teams should probably probably watch some tape on all right well uh we We'll come back and uh, make some predictions for the upcoming season. And it's only a, uh, we're what, less than a month away from training camp. So it's mm-hmm. getting pretty close. I know. I'm excited. Okay, let's let's go back to the Islanders for a minute here. Who's your pick to be the MVP for the Islanders this season? I, I got to stick with Ilya Sorokin. Uh, I, I mean, he is their best player. He was second in the Vezina voting last year. And, uh, you know, if the Bruins didn't have such an amazing season where Linus Olmark led the league in win safe percentage and goals against average, how do you vote against him in the, in the Vezina voting? So uh, I, I think Sorokin will probably play about 55, 
you know, probably start 50 to 55 games. Uh, and if he continues to play at the high level he plays in, the Islanders should be in almost, you know, let's say 85, 90% of those games should be fairly low scoring and fairly close. Uh, and I think he really holds the key. If he gets injured, uh, I mean, I like Varlamov, but is he still capable of playing 55 games a year if he has to? I, I wouldn't be as <laughs> confident in that. So, you know, give him 30 games, 35 games, I think he'll be great. Uh, and then the other thing is, uh, if I had a, a second choice, Bo Horvat, you know, he had less than a point every other game after the trade. Now, part of that was because Matthew Barzal was hurt and he didn't have the line mates that you would expect him to be playing with on a top line. But look, I don't expect him to be as offensively uh, productive as he was in Vancouver because the Islanders style is more defensive, but uh, he's got to at least give them 65, 70 points, 25, 30 goals to justify the eight and a half million dollar a year contract that he signed and the next eight seasons, he'll be making that money. So those two players, I think, are kind of linchpins for this team being at least as good, if not better than they were a year ago. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you in on a, a little bit of a secret. Uh, last week on Locked On NHL, we talked about the top five goalie poll that we did uh, to kind of gel the the off season wheels, so to speak. And uh, I did have Ilya Sorokin as my number one goalie in the NHL. Uh, he would we would have would have been my pick for the Vesna as well. Um, not to say that Linus Elmark was not incredibly good this season, but I do think he probably had a little bit of an easier season than. Ilya Sorokin. So I'm I'm a big Sorokin fan. I think he's going to be really annoying every time the Blue Jackets play him. And uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully they he continues his Vesna his Vesna candidate ways. Um, who do you think is going to win the Metro Division? Because in my mind, there's really only two answers. But I'm interested yeah. which way you go with it. Uh, I will give a slight edge to the to the young up-and-coming Devils team over Carolina, but I think it could go either way. But I'm going to say this is the year the Devils pass the, the Hurricanes and win the division. How about you? I, I'm i still going with the Hurricanes. I think it's going to be close. Uh, it was real close this year, I believe. It was, I think they had one point difference. Yeah. Uh, the Hurricanes just overtook them at the end there. But I think experience is just going to beat out uh, youth. In this case, but I, I agree. I don't think it's very long at all before the Devils take over because that that is a an extremely an extremely annoyingly well built team. <laughs> I, I agree, and you know the the reason that you may be right in my mind, and the reason I'm sort of hesitating on picking the de- uh, the Devils. Rod Brindamore is such a good coach, mm-hmm. and, and and I think he the gives them the Hurricanes got better. This yeah. Oh, they did. I think Dmitry Olov is one of the most underrated defensemen in this league. So it's it's hard to bet against the Hurricanes. I know that they've been swept like three Eastern Conference Finals in a row, but it's just so tough to bet against the Hurricanes. It, it, it is. It, it is. I, I'm tr- trying to say it either happens this year or next year, and, and I'm like, you know, really torn as to who to pick. But I want to be different, so I'm going with the Devils. But <laughs> You know, by that much. It's, okay. very, it's going to be very, very close. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, let's finish up with, uh, you can't pick the Islanders for this. Right. Uh, who's going to win the Stanley Cup this season? 
Not that I think he would pick the Islanders anyway, but no, I've been telling uh, that to I... every host that they can't pick their own team, but it only seems <laughs> fair. Wow. Uh, the Stanley Cup this season. Uh, wow. That, that, that is a tough one at this point to pick. Um, you know what? The Carolina Hurricanes get it done. I, I, I think you think this is their year. I think this is their year. They may not win the division. They may, but I think this is the year they finally get past that conference final and, and, and find a way to get it done. Yeah. I feel like, you know how for years and years and years, the Capitals just couldn't get past the Penguins and then they yes. finally did. And they won that cup. It feels a little bit like if they can, if the Hurricanes can just get past, if the Hurricanes can win a game in the Eastern conference final, it feels like they'll, they'll kind of, slay that demon so yep. to speak you know it's the same reason i think everyone was like oh toronto finally won around they're probably going to go all the way and then obviously florida happened but feels like if they can if they can make it to the Stanley cup final i don't know that there's a team in the west that's going to have an easy time against a team like the hurricanes um i've been saying the dallas stars all off season which uh annoys me intensely because uh i have i have logical reasons for disliking most of the nhl teams i like i have no logical reason for disliking the stars they're just my enemies um <laughs> and they're so good and they're so well connect like constructed and they're they so are. fun to watch and again it feels like they have just like they they they're, they're so close to to kind of jumping over over the hill of of the stanley cup final they are a very good team and and maybe because they play in a non-traditional market, they don't quite get as much respect as I think they deserve, but you know, they've been, like you said, they've been close for a few years now. And I think, uh, you know, that, that is a team to be reckoned with. No question about it. Yeah. Like I, I didn't realize until I was watching them last season and I've kind of just ignored the Dallas stars as much as I can, because again, I don't like them. And I was watching the blue jackets play the stars this season. And I was like, Oh, this is an extremely good team, especially yeah. like in transition on the rush. Like Jason Robertson is incredible. The ageless wonder, Joe Pavelski, they've got maybe one of the best young goalies in the league in Jake Ottinger. Like it's, it's another team that's tough to bet against yeah. as much as, again, as much as I dislike it, uh, I'm <laughs> going to have to go with Dallas um, Carolina would be a really fun standing cup final in that. I think it would make every single Canadian hockey fans head explode. <laughs> Probably. And like that feels like a good enough reason for me. So getting to the Blue Jackets, do you think they make the playoffs this year? Yes. But it's it's gonna be tough. I think it it really relies on there's a lot of moving parts here. The Blue Jackets, as constructed on paper right now, should be a playoff team, I think. Um I'm looking at kind of the other teams in the division and I Honestly, you know, it might come down to the Blue Jackets and the Islanders fighting for that final playoff spot. That's that's what I think it's going to be. I think the Blue I think the Blue Jackets could finish anywhere from fourth in the division to sixth in the division. Um, I think the Devils, the Hurricanes, and the Rangers probably get spots one, two, and three, and then four, five, and six is probably going to be some combination of the Capitals, the Penguins, the Islanders, the Blue Jackets, and I think Flyers probably going to be at the bottom of the division. So. They're good enough to make the playoffs, I think. Um, it just depends on if things if things go right. I do think there's going to be five Metropolitan teams in the playoffs this season, I, I think. I think it's very possible, uh, especially after the Carlson trade with Pittsburgh. I think they mm -hmm. got better, at least in the short term there. Uh, I think we're going to have a lot of 
uh, crossover episodes between you and I later in the season to, to oh, yeah. sort all of this out because it very well may come down to the wire. And uh, at the very least, it'll be very entertaining all the way. So Yes, they play very different styles of hockey. So it'll be interesting to see what style of hockey wins that particular battle. But yeah. I'm looking forward to to the the it's always fun to to play in Long Island. I feel like the Blue Jackets always have a good time, even if they don't always win. So uh hopefully they'll win more often than than not for my sake, if not for yours. Um but I think that's all we've got for today. Uh everyone, thank you for making this your first listen of the day every day. Uh, Locked on Blue Jackets and Locked on Islanders are both available wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, they are available on YouTube. They are available on Sirius XM. You can find me at underscore Jacob Foster. Uh, Gil, where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, it's Ice Wars NYR vs NYI. And uh, check out Locked on Islanders, Locked on Blue Jackets, and uh, have a great weekend, everybody. All right. Thanks again to Jay Foster of Locked On Blue Jackets for joining us and doing this special crossover. We will be back on Monday, of course, as we will continue our player-by-player look at the Islanders' top prospects and a whole lot more. Thanks again for making Locked On Islanders your first listen every day. Have a great weekend, everybody. Stay safe. And of course, let's go Islanders.